Hello everybody, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cami Black. Um, we are live now on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Twitch. Um, we've got three followers on Twitch inexplicably and confu- three confused gamers or three Scottish gamers who also like rugby. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, we've, got, um, we've got a bit of news to get through tonight. Still no actual rugby um, of, uh, of a Scottish variety to speak of. Um, there's plenty of other podcasts there if you, around if you want to uh, hear people talking about what's gone on in the, uh, the Super Rugby area, Tora and, and in Australia. Uh, but joining me tonight to talk about um, what's going on in the world of Scottish Rugby, we have Ian Hay. Hello. And John Anderson. Yo, folks. Fresh off the tennis courts, John, as well. Fresh off the tennis courts. Not so fresh off the tennis courts. It's bloody warm out there. <laughs> How did you get on? Uh, I lost uh, seven six. Uh, sorry, ten six. We're That's playing, not too bad. Uh, yeah, we're playing playing. Uh, it's first to ten, so it wasn't too bad. That's good. Um, you can uh, visit the blog www.scottishrugbyblog.co.uk uh, for all the latest on there. Uh, we've got an article from Sandy Smith coming on um, tomorrow, um, just with an update of the um, Scottish-based Premier players as the, the, the English Premiership kicks off or restarts tomorrow. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at Scott Rugby Blogger at Cami Black, and we're on Facebook to facebook.com slash Scottish Rugby Blog. Um, we've also got a Patreon page um, where you can uh, pay a small amount a month, about the price of a pint of beer, really. Uh, either £3 gets you into the Richie Vernon, Thun- Richie Vernon Thunderdome, um, that, that magnificent place that it is. Um, if you pay slightly more, though, you get into the Doogie Donnelly Executive Lounge. Um, and if you get paid to get into the Doogie Donnelly um, Executive Lounge, you get your name read out on the podcast. So we've got a few thank yous to, um, to, to read out. So um, thank you very much, uh, Ree McCrory, uh, the Governor and John McLean, who've all signed up uh, this week to the £5. They've entered the Doogie Donnelly Lounge. They've, Ian's taken their coat, John's taken their drink order. They've settled in. <laughs> Apologies if I've missed you because um, we've had a few people sign up this week. If I have missed anybody, please let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll rectify that next week. Um, coming up on our Patreon, we've got our first Patreon exclusive only episode that we'll be recording straight after this tonight. It's a question and answer. Um, we've got four questions to answer. Uh, four very good questions, it has to be said. Um, one of which is, what's the pathway to um, the there being a third Scottish pro team. So if you want to hear us talk about that in detail, which we will do in that, that podcast, then you're going to have to sign up for the Patreon. We've got some exciting Patreon things coming up. We hopefully, fingers crossed, we've got a history of Sevens podcast coming to you in September in conjunction with the Blood and Mud podcast. Uh, and we've got Tony Collins uh, to help us with that, who's a rugby a sports historian who specialises in rugby and rugby league. Um, he does some small podcasts that are well worth checking out if you're into uh, the history of rugby. Um, in terms of uh, news then, um, we do have an agenda of sorts to get through. Um, the big news this week that got everyone very excited is because of coronavirus, World Rugby have revised or delayed the implementation of Regulation 8, uh, the amended Regulation 8, which um, from the end of this year would have meant that if you hadn't been capped for the, your country, you would have, uh, for a country, you would have to wait for five years to build up residency before you qualified for that country. So um, we were we knew we were going to get Duhan van der Merwe was going to come in just under the radar, Jakob van der Volt, Oli Kebble, they were all going to come in within time. However, World Rugby have had a look at this and what they've said is, given the lack of games, then there are going to be a number of players who, who may have been capped 
before December who might not have the opportunity to do so. So they've extended the deadline, I think, to next, to next year. So that means, excitingly, that Pierre Schumann, Emre Prop, qualifies from, and I think we've got the exact date from Sandy, is it the 19th of July, 2021, he qualifies as Scottish. And we're all very excited about that because what a prospect he is. And I think he's even signed to Ember beyond that as well. Yeah, he'd already yeah, he'd said that he was here for the for the five years. He knew it was going to be five years, but it was part of his thinking when he signed the contract. So the fact that he gets to come in a year earlier, bonus. Well, and here's an interesting proposition for you guys. Is he a bolter for the Lions? Now, he qualifies for the Lions on the day of the last match before the test series. He's an outside shot for an, inju- for an injury call-up, for a geography six call-up. Can you imagine? But, that would be beautiful. You know, he could carry tackle bags for the tour, couldn't he? There's nothing to stop him well, doing that. Does he have to have been captured by Scotland first, though, before he becomes eligible no. for the Lions? That's what I was wondering. No, you, so. no you just have to be eligible. So there are, I looked this up earlier this week, there 20% of all caps for the Lions were uncapped at the time that they were selected for the Lions. The but last did, one was 1977, to be fair. But did, did they have sort of the fact that there was a place of birth or parental? I don't because think so. Whether, whether, or not, whether or not people would buy it, whether or not people would buy into the idea of him playing for the Lions, I don't know. Yeah, there'd be lots of, oh, he's not being tested at the highest level, and yeah. he's, he's only Scottish-ish, Scottish-ish. <laughs> he could be the subject of a quiz question now. Technically, because you're not captured just for playing for the Lions, so say he doesn't play for Scotland, gets called up for that game for the first test, plays it, plays a blinder, straight into the test team for the first test game, plays an absolute blinder. Razzie has a word after the game and says... We've we've made a mistake. We've missed you. We we should have we should have captured. How do you fancy coming to play for us in the last two tests? And technically, I don't think there's anything to stop him. Could he then come back and play for Scotland after that? No, no, because no, he's captured, captured by South Africa. By South Africa. Yeah, of course. Ah, oh. so there that would be that would be a hell of a quiz question. Who you know, a British and Irish Lions player who then went on to play for a non-British or, or, or and Irish could, country? Could, could he then only? Only ever play for the British and Irish Lions. It's like captured <laughs> for the Lions. You can only play like once every four years, if you're lucky. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. But I don't think the Lions. I don't think you're captured by the. La- I don't know. Somebody may correct me on this. I don't think regulation capture it captures you just for playing for the Lions. It wouldn't because you, sure you, 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 you would be captured to, a, to a, a national team, and obviously the Lions is a selection. It's a compilation of national teams. So what, what national team would you be caught, captured for? It's like being captured for Great Britain Sevens. <laughs> Doesn't count. Yes. So um, yeah. So that's the exciting news. So we're getting Pierre Schumann a little bit earlier, probably the summer tour, twenty twenty one. Um, so it seems pretty certain that he, unless there's a big money bid from South Africa, given everything that's going on in the world, COVID-wise, we, we're probably um, we're probably now looking at dead set for Pierre Schumann to be in the Scottish front row, which is which is very exciting. Um, the um, I don't think there's anybody else captured by that rule that I can think of that you would that one would would, would be excited by. I, I couldn't see anybody that kind of jumped out. It's just some random person languishing in Super Six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it pops up from nowhere. Um, some, some Nick Gregg-esque. 
some guy working as a plaster uh, and turning up for air on the wing. Yep. But um, when's when's uh, good old Jacko the Vandor? He was. I think he was at this autumn. This, this he was autumn. the same as Kebo, yeah, wasn't he? Because he came right. over with. Uh, I think he came over around the same time as Duhan. It would have captured um, Hickey, but he's gone back to yeah. to New Zealand now. And that's, I don't that's think... a shame as well because he could have been a quite a good option actually. As a, a, you know, we're always crying out for depth at fly half, and you know we've obviously got Russell and, and Hastings, and then not much else, especially now. Well, yeah, that's especially now King Jacko is retired. So, uh, so uh, we... Rory Hutchinson. Oh, he's, well, a, that's he's, he's a, a center. He's a center. <laughs> so it's a horn, but it doesn't stop him. <laughs> you notice how we're all of a sudden starting to shoehorn people in. Into 10, oh, they'll fit, yeah. Into 10, yeah. yeah. Pete, Pete Shoehorn. Pete Shoehorn, yeah, we need to cap him. <laughs> get, get, get the mesh at 10. Yeah. Um, so that's the, that's the news on Regulation 8. Um, the um, other news this week, um, which is on the offside line, is that there has been a bit of update and a bit of movement on both the Super 6 and club fixtures. Um, Super 6, there's going to be some... What, what did, Mark Dodson called it a Christmas dash, which sounded like something you do for your, your, your Christmas shopping when you've, when you've forgotten to buy something and it's Christmas Eve and all that's left in the shops is Toblerones and calendars. Forgotten. Forgotten. Um, so, yeah, he called it a, a sprint... That's it. Super Six to return with a sprint before Christmas. Um, we're, we're going to come on to the, the interview that, that um, a number of news outlets had with Mark Dodson um, about the current state of affairs of Scottish rugby, but he, he very much sees Super Six as still very much being a thing, which we'll, we'll come on to in a minute. Um, in terms of club rugby, um, once again, rather than um, make a decision, the SIE have decided to go out to some sort of mad democratic vote and ask the clubs to come up with their own solution or propose made them to be fair they made a couple of proposals um and said can you decide amongst yourselves whether you want to carry on with the normal league structure but regionalize it a bit or do you want to do kind of pause promotion and relegation and play within your um play within your regions and surprise surprise nobody could agree on what to do so we're in a situation i think where um premiership and national one have agreed to keep promotion and relegation, and but they will play in a kind of conference style. The XD final, we caught some sort of conference style based around the regions. But Premier, there's not there's not much difference geographically between the Premiership and the National One sides anyway. So they're keeping relegation. Uh, National Two and National Three, much more sensible approach. Seems all the clubs are just happy to get some rugby played. They've agreed no promotion or no relegation, but they'll play. Across those two leagues, the teams will mer- they'll merge those two leagues, suspend the normal competition for a season, and they'll play regionally, which seems entirely sensible, Ian, uh, given the current circumstances, rather than trying to continue with promotion and relegation in these times. Um, yeah, because you're not going to get a, the likelihood of getting a proper, complete set of fixtures done is pretty slim. Um, there is going to be as well, like pre- Premen, that one there is. There might be a bit of travel because if you get like Aberdeen, that's probably the them or, or Oban Lorne, they nash, that one. That's probably the Oban Lorne and that one. No, I'm going to check this now. We have to. I should have. I should have. Well, Highland Highland are up in that one, aren't they? Yeah, yeah so that's, Highland, that's probably high. the furthest north. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, that's that's great governance, isn't it? Sort of like we we will lead you through this dark time. Decide amongst yourselves, guys. Yeah. Um. Well, this yeah. is the thing we had with, isn't it? This is, this is exactly what happened when 
when they cancelled the season is they said they, they emailed everybody and said we're thinking about doing this here's a here's a range of options and then it turned out it was a democratic vote and everyone's like well hang on we were voting for something uh, at least this time they're kind of aware that they're trying to figure something out i mean that's, yeah. that's progress we're, we're slowly getting to the idea I mean, of we usually uh, you know, complain about them being dictatorial but um we're gradually getting to the point of a you know a sort of um competent democracy i suppose yeah so yeah i mean highland yeah you're right in highland national one so that's a bit but it's easy enough because you've also got in that group you've got sterling um dundee so you could probably stick those those in at some sort of conference of sorts and play each other but it's not it's you know it's not going to be a full season i think that's unrealistic to try and try and achieve that this year you would have thought the sensible thing would have been just to pause it all yeah i think that's that's kind of um yeah, that's my view on things across the board. Um, I, I get the, the desire to get some rugby played and get people out on the pitch, but there's got to be a degree of sense applied to that. And, you know, just getting games played for the sake of getting games played doesn't strike me as a, a very sensible approach. And having people travelling about the country when you know, stuff's still kicking off on a daily yeah. basis, you know. And you're gonna have mad. games you're gonna have games postponed. I mean already in France has been there's a game I think um either being postponed or there's I think Montpellier have had a, a number of players test positive. Stade Francais, Stade Francais. Yeah. So you're already looking at getting games postponed and that's likely to happen. So it's and gonna be a long you, season. That's before you even get started on the behaviour of a certain other sport in Scotland. And <laughs> some of the people kicking about in there. Are you talking about Fitba? I may be mentioning the, the, the rounder ball uh, game, yes, and certain two clubs in Scotland who will not be the only ones doing what's happened, but uh, they've been the ones that have been caught so far, and it's a shambles. It's, I mean, it's not just football. I mean, you've got Jofra Archer has gone, went to his mate's birthday party, didn't he, during the cricket? Yep. So, it's you know, it's going to happen. And I think especially, down, you know, you, the pro leagues are very, it's a different proposition. If you're being paid to, to isolate and do all this stuff, and, you know, that's that's one thing. But to, to expect the same of club players who've got their lives to lead and jobs yep. to do in midweek, it's... It's it's going to be a tough old ask, and you know games are going to be postponed, and who knows when we're going to get back to seeing a normal season. So just get you know, I think we should just be grateful to get any any games any games played we can at this point. But October start, I think, is the the intention. We shall we shall see. Um, the other bit of news, um, kind of this is a bit of a late breaking news, not as we came on air, but a couple of hours before we came on air. Um, massive shout out to friend of the podcast and the blog uh, and beard of Scottish rugby, Ian Wallace, who has decided to cut off the beard of Scottish rugby to raise money for Doddy Weir. Uh, my name is Doddy Foundation, which is absolute, an absolute, um, Ian, you're making funny set hand signals. Are you, are you suggesting he's only going to shape it? No, no, no. It's just that's how, that's how big it is. It's for, you know, for people who don't he's, know. He's, 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 here, he's, isn't it? Yeah. he's for context given some sort of like arbitrary um, sort of measurement technique which looks slightly like a Finn Russell dance move. Yeah. It's you a double... It's, like, it's a bit double double Johns if for anyone that's watching this, I would say. And it's, and it's yeah. glorious. 
It's a, it's a good length. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're going to put out, it's on Just Given, um, if you look for Ian. Um, Ian grew up with, with Doddy and Stow uh, outside of Gala. Um, and so it's obviously something very close to his heart. And, uh, you know, you'll have seen, if you've been to the rugby uh, at Murrayfield, you'll have seen Ian. Let's put it that way. I, th- I think he's even on the billboards. <laughs> Certainly in a couple of promo videos. Um, yeah, so him and Rhiannon got in a, a promo video for um, before the before the World Cup, didn't they? They got in a, yeah. the, the shout out. A news segment, wasn't it? Like Scotland Today or ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was on on the national news. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we wish we wish uh, you know the best. I think he's doing it in, aiming for September. So we'll put the link on the podcast post this week, and we'll we'll probably give it a bit more coverage as it gets closer to the event itself. Um, I think watch the space for how that's going to happen. Hopefully, at that point, there'll be some sort of public event. Maybe maybe get Bruce Aitchison on to, to host it. That's me, me with a fly mo. That's what's <laughs> maybe you could do. Maybe you could. Maybe maybe we could raise money by getting getting uh, bids for people to come along and cut it off. <laughs> take a chunk. Take a chunk. Bag it up. Take it away with you. I cut this chunk off Ian Wallace's face. Like um, you, depend, depends on how much you pay. It depends what uh, instrument that you use to get cut. Could we tag <laughs> little like pictures of um, of Farrell Funk himself onto the actual beard, and you can actually cut a chunk and take that away with you? I think nice. so. I think I, I think if we get and you know everyone gets a wee everyone gets a half an inch of beard until Perfect. it's all gone. Get a couple of members of the Ember Squad on to help. Oh, I tell you what, WP now with his butcher's knife. That's what that's what finishes it off. <laughs> with his uh, with his little rack of ribs, uh, fork and knife, just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so wish Ian all the best with that. Like I said, we'll we'll, we'll cover it on the blog as well, probably closer to a, a wee bit later on in the in August, early September, um, just to kind of give a wee boost. But but if you can. We, Go to the blog tomorrow on the podcast post and, and there'll be a link there to follow and donate to, to Ian. Um, the next bit of news this week, a uh, slight surprise, um, Philip Doyle, who's the women's head coach uh, for Scotland, has stepped down early. Now, he was obviously on furlough, but things being as they are, everything's trying to get back to normal as sorts. And so there is, the women have got upcoming fixtures to fulfill. Uh, they've got the rest of the Six Nations, plus there's qualifying for the Women's Rugby World Cup to undergo a couple of games against Spain. Um, so because he's also shielding, he's brought his contract to an end early. And um, I want to say Brian Essen, but I haven't got the notes in front of me. Have I got that right? Uh, Eason. Brian Eason, who's Eason, the yeah. current assistant coach. He's Eason, but with two S's instead of a T. That's it. So he's stepping up into the role, um, which, I mean, it's not... You know, nobody would have expected this and it's hard to plan for it, but it makes sense, I suppose, for the assistant coach for continuity's sake to step into the role. And you're not really going to have the ability to cast the net much wider than that to bring in somebody new at this stage. Yeah, I mean, it is a massive blow because, um, you know, the players spoke very highly of him. You know, whenever he was in uh, press conferences with Rachel Malcolm, you know, she the fact that they could refer to him as Goose, I think, showed the sort of real bond between them. Um, had messages. I've seen messages just quick flick through Twitter from Megan Kennedy and Lana Skeldon saying how sorry the arts team go. Um, but you know, with things as they are, and also if Philip's going to have to, whatever it is that's concerning the shielding, if it's going to be an ongoing issue back home, um, obviously he can't 
commits the time um, if he can't travel. Uh, so, you know, Brian stepping in, um, he took charge of uh, one of the press conferences I was at once, because I think Philip had to go back to Ireland for possibly for whatever reason this is or related to that. Um, but yeah, so Brian's going to take over. Uh, and obviously, like you said, you know, we can't really cast a net far and wide. We don't have much money. Uh, obviously, the recruitment's on freeze. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a shame because, you know, he came with a real pedigree for the dollars. It was a big shout, I think, for, for the SIU to go for him. Um, it was a very ambitious attempt because he had a lot of success with Ireland. And, and the, we, you know, um, the women's team that that went over... South Africa, they'd started to put to be, be be competitive. So hopefully, hopefully they continue with that. The other bit of news um, that's kind of it's, it's a rumor that's, that's kicked about on Twitter is um, obviously the RFU are struggling for funds, which we might touch upon in a minute. But um, Premier Fifteens, which is their women's top professional league, is obviously struggling financially, and the suggestion is that they're going to bring in teams plural from Scotland and Wales now. You suspect, John, that's going to be team singular from Scotland, but it's it's an exciting prospect nonetheless to have a you know that the, the, the SIU are giving serious consideration to a, a professional Scottish side. Yeah, very much so. Um, and I think that so. I, I believe a couple of the teams that we are part of the previous iteration of the Premiership 15s have dropped out. So yeah, I would imagine one one team from from Scotland would be kind of what they would be looking at, and my. My only concern with it is that the SRU have got a lot of different pressures on them just now financially, mm-hmm. and they would need to back this properly. You know, you're talking, you're talking. Obviously, you're saying make it a professional side, but you've got all the players that need to go professional. You're also looking at professional coaches. You're also looking at the backroom staff. You're also looking at, you know, all the other support functions that go along with that. And yes, you can kind of pull resources from SRU, you know, HQ, but ultimately for a new professional entity to be successful, there has to be significant funding and our Patreon listeners will get um, plenty of this chat later on when we do the roadmap (laughs) to third third team. But the SRU would need to heavily finance this and no disrespect to women's rugby, but there's no money in the game. Like there's no money in rugby basically just now apart from CVC. So there's no money in women's rugby really at the moment either. So no one's going to be coming in. No sugar daddy's going to be coming in throwing cash at a professional entity from Scotland. So it's going to come down to Mr. Dodson to, to find some dough for it and, you know, my concern is they maybe half bake it and it's not a success, mm. and then it sets it all back a number of years. Yeah, I think when I was when when I tweeted when when this initially came out, I, I sent a, a kind of tweet. I was saying it was a good move, and whether or not you could tie it to the top tier competition that we currently have in Scotland and have almost like a you know players dropping down to play in the leagues and then be able to call up called up almost like a, a regional team, um, but. There was a couple of people saying oh, it might be quite a significant drop off, you know, to to go from playing against, you know, top professional women in Wales and in, you know, particularly in England, to then dropping down and, you know, with all respect, you know, going and playing, you know, what would be semi amateur or amateur level rugby in Scotland when when you hadn't been selected that week, and so it's it's got the issue is 
you know, bringing women, the women players home who are based in England anyway. And that's, there's a financial burden with that. But then what, you know, you build up a squad and what do you, you know, we have a hell of a time for figuring out what to do with, with, with the men's squads that, that, that go spare. So what, what do you do with the women? And, you know, the, the drop off between, you know, the, the Pro 14 and Super 6 is one thing, but the drop off between, you know, uh, Premier 15 and, and women's amateur rugby in Scotland is a completely different matter, you would think. Yeah, because then you're going from fully professional to, you know, uni students and what have you. Um, it would take considerable funding, considerable thinking out as well. Uh, I mean, how many? I think there's about eight or nine um, Scottish players who are contracted to mm. England and France. Um, and that's that's one of the other things that um, Philip Doyle had been talking about, particularly at the Six Nations launch all those those months ago, which is <laughs> oh, the last time any of us saw a bit of rugby. Um, and, you know, he had said that the SRU were putting significant investment into the women's game. Um, but obviously that's going to get stymied a little. Uh, and, well, I mean, the, when there was talk about expanding the Pro 12 to Pro 14, it started off as just sort of Twitter rumours and then very quickly it became uh, a reality. So we'll see if the same occurs here, but you know, getting a some kind of Scottish pro team off the ground would be very difficult. You'd maybe have to send it the sort of top women's team, um, but then, like, you know, like I say, then that's again a bunch of amateurs against a bunch of professionals. Yeah, I mean, I don't the, want to say won the World Cup. You know, <laughs> we're we're talking about the, some of the best rugby players in the world. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be down on this because I think it's a great if if if. It's something that should be done, and it's something that's long overdue. And you know, I really hope it can work. And I don't want to sound like we're down on it at all. Um, I think we'd we'd all celebrate if it happened. Um, I kind of part of me hopes that you know they, they can base it in the borders because I think from from a travel perspective it makes sense. You've got established grounds there, easy commute from from Edinburgh and stuff for for for, for, for a lot of the players. But you know, I don't want to sound like we're down on it. it we're just kind of, I suppose, it's the the pragmatists in us, the Scottish rugby fans in us, kind of coming out and all that negativity pouring out towards it. But you know, I think it could. Oh, we can't have anything nice here. <laughs> no, absolutely. It would be. It's the absolute thing that should happen, and it's it's right to happen. But the reality is that there's a massive difference between significant funding, which is you know, usually measured as a proportion of the increase of funding, which, you know, you can always make something look significant when it goes from Boggle to um, a bit more than Boggle. But there's a massive difference between significant funding and competitive funding. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it. Then it becomes a case you end up with a with a pro team that's, you know, mid to bottom table that that's there to to feed the international team, which is where, again, you know, that's where the money is. You follow the money, the money's in international rugby. And as you said, John, the money in international women's rugby is probably significantly less yeah. Yeah. Than, than, than men's rugby. Um, the Talking of money, um, we've had an update from Marky Dodson, Marky Mark. Yeah, it's Marky Marky Mark. D. Um, on, on Scotland's financial position. Now, given that the RFU have essentially made everyone redundant, <laughs> every single person has been made redundant, but... I think what unfortunately what's happened is they've made every redundant turned around and gone. Where's everyone gone? Because there's been a lot of RFU job adverts up this week. I think they've just sacked everybody because they got to the top of the pay grade, and then they're recruiting everyone on on lower terms and and lower pay. Um, 
Mark Dudson though says that there will be no redundancies. Now, whether or not this is the kind of Chamberlain style, in my hand I have a piece of paper style promise, it remains to be seen. But you can't help but feel that for all that we are down on Mark Dodson and the things that have happened during his tenure, that this plays into his strengths. This kind of crisis budget management and balancing the books and steering a ship through tough times. He's not the, you know, he's not the hero Scotland deserved, but he's the one we need right now to, to coin a phrase from Batman, Ian. Yeah, I was, look, at, look at the t-shirt as well. There you go. Oh, I think. Um, see, I, I was wondering if I was going to get pelters for suggesting that, that Dodson is actually handling this a lot better than certainly the FRU seem to be. Um, fair enough. Glasgow's recruitment is on pause, as I said, so it's not just Glasgow, though it's only like a winching Glasgow fan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go for it, Ian, come on. <laughs> Oh, well, things right. We've got Gray and Nakarawa in. So, yeah, we're not that short on looks anymore. She's going to need some kids. You know, time for Bruce Flockhart to step up. There we go. Um, and I believe he can. And Tom Gordon. And so we get plenty more man in the match interviews. <laughs> um, no, but if, if we can get through this without having to make people redundant and cost people their livelihoods, excellent. Uh, that's, I mean, We've had a few PR disasters with Dodson, so this would be good PR, if anything, for him. Um, aye, so it seems he's handling this all right. Uh, yeah, and, 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 a, and a promise to protect the Sevens as well, John, which, you know, the RFU have basically made both their women's and men's Sevens teams redundant and, and sacked them off. I don't think they're going to fulfil any of the World Series uh, this year, which is going to cause problems for the, the GB Team GB qualifying, because that was based on... Uh, that was always based on England's. We had nominated placing. England as being our our placing for the for the team yeah. GB. Absolutely, yeah, I've seen, seen that. Yeah, and there's been discussion. I think there was some rumored discussions of there being a combined being a combined team GB going forward. But I think that the SIE seems to have turned around and said, "Not for, that's not for us because we we're all right, Jack. This, we, this isn't we don't use it in the same way as you. We use it as a as a pathway." Yeah, I, th- I think we've we've talked about this a number of times on a variety of different podcasts that we use the sevens as, you know, we talk about our, our third pro team. They, theirs are third pro team. The sevens is our third pro team. We use it as a development pathway. We use it for game time. We use it when people's confidence is down. We've, you know, we've had, we've had probably all of the top players in Scotland playing pro rugby and playing abroad have potentially touch the sevens circuit at some point we we have a relationship with it where we use it and that idea of then diluting the game time that people could get by saying right well actually we're going to have you know we'll do a combined team and you know right well England have got all these seven specialists so they'll get you know four out of the seven starting slots or you know six out of the ten squads Maybe Scotland will get two, Wales one, Ireland one. Hmm, right, okay. We're starting to then dilute the point of it. Um, and then you could put Gatland in charge of it and you could have no Scots and it would be, you know, ideal. Uh, we could proper, you know, British, British and Irish lines it and just go for it. And the yeah. most boring sevens team ever. Uh, yes, trash ball <laughs> sevens. Um, the, the, I mean, the, the, the talk is 14 million is going to have to be cut from the budget. Now, how you do that whilst maintaining a promise to protect grassroots rugby, the sevens, and not avoid any job losses is 
you know, going to be nothing short of a miracle. If he can do it, fair play. It seems like a lot's riding on the CVC money coming through, and there was an update on that saying negotiations are going well, but obviously the terms of that are going to change because when we went into that, coronavirus wasn't even a thing. I don't know if that man hadn't even eaten that bat in China or whatever. <laughs> I think we'll see that. Uh, I'm just going to try and find it. Um, our, our friend, uh, Iltud Davith, uh, yep. he, he sent a tweet. Um, oh, found it. Um, the FFR denies reports of deal for the Six Nations by CVC is done. Uh, but somebody has said apparently it's imminent. The truth about this press release is that Bernard Laporte spoke too soon about the deal. <laughs> that's, classic, re- that's classic Bernard Laporte. <laughs> yep. As a result, the FFR has come under strong pressure from the Welsh Rugby Union, who are negotiating to lower the salaries of their players. Mm. Um, oh dear. We, we update on that. That was only a couple of hours ago. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. As we, someone's, someone's got Bernard pissed on the red wine and said, <laughs> How's the CVC gone, Bernard? He's a fan. Bien, bien. Bien, bien sûr. It's nearly over the line. for all of us. Yeah. Like you um, can have 30 million. You can have 30 million. You have It's <laughs> all good. Um, there is talk. I mean, the, 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 I think the, the one thing Mark Dodson did say when he, he spoke to the press was that the, the, the wage cuts that have been agreed with, with the likes of himself and Gregor Townsend and Richard Cockrell and Danny Wilson. Well, I don't think Danny Wilson, because he, he, he was on, signed a new contract and two before he's, he's just had a wage cut from what Rennie was pocketing. <laughs> so, um, but Richard Cockrell and Gregor Townsend have taken wage cuts and it seemed, or, or, and, and for a certain period they were deferring wages. It seems like that's going to continue. The positive news is it sounds like there are ongoing discussions with them both about new contracts from 2021, which I think is when both their deals run out. So given how things were left with Gregor Townsend, you know, left the Six Nations on a, fair, a fairly positive note. Whether or not those negotiations happened after the autumn, we'll see. Maybe it might be a different kind of contract negotiation for Richard Cockrell at that point. Mm-hmm. We once see, once see. Ed, gets, Ed, Edinburgh might be pro 14 winners, but then John perished the thought. Oh, let's, let's be absolutely clear. I'm, I'm putting this out there. You can you can send me all the hate you want when the time comes. <laughs> Edinburgh will not be pro 14 champions. There is a D4 stitch up to make sure that that is not going to happen. <laughs> um, so I, I would be surprised. I mean, they'll make the semis and then they'll get absolutely pummeled. All right. That's what's going to happen. They'll get you bailed. They'll get you bailed. Here we are. So it's that is 20 past nine on this very the, day. The, the, the 12th of August. The, the 12th of the month of I will, August. I will return. <laughs> return to this podcast and cl- snip that bit when Ember make the final draw and we'll play, play it on a loop play it in a loop it's fine I have absolute confidence just be two <laughs> hand crashing over for the, the match winning try just, uh, <sighs> cut between that and John's face beautiful you know? Johnny oh. Bravo man <laughs> um Ian Wallace I, I, thank you very much to everyone that's watching this live by the way we've got quite a few people watching with us including my mother hello mum um, hey Cammy's mum Ian Wallace uh, says, questions have to be asked how the RFE have gone from running the most profitable Rugby World Cup to paying off a third of their staff within four years. I'm not sure how profitable that Rugby World Cup was. I don't think it was as profitable as they made it out to be. You can make anything look good on paper, can't you, really? I think they took the fact that, I think I can't remember where I've read this and it might be, this might be completely untrue and I might be making it up, but I'm sure it is. But I think the fact that England 
didn't make it out the group stage had a massive impact. Yeah, try not to laugh, Ian. It had a massive <laughs> impact on the finances of the RFU. I think the fact that the No Home Nation made the... Did anyone make the semis? Southern no, 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 Cammy. Oh. Nobody made the semis. I know we oh, didn't. Gee. Oh, Jesus. Oh. We, were the, last, the we were the last one standing. We were, of course. Yeah. We, we were. Joubert. So there's the no... 79th minute. So no, all, all Southern Hemisphere teams in a Northern Hemisphere World Cup, that is going to hit the pockets hard in terms of maintaining interest in the tournament. So I think that, I, I'm pretty sure that had an impact. I'm sure there's, someone's done a graph somewhere that shows that. Um, uh, I mean, even not just in like ticket sales and that and merch, even like pubs, they would have lost a lot. I think it would probably be worth millions to the economy as, uh, overall, not yeah, just the RFU's pocket. The, the RFU have been looking like an absolute train wreck financially for two or three years now. And that was before all this. It's like, you know, they were already talking about deferring like wage and bonuses and things like that and people having to take cuts, people being made redundant. And then all this happens. It's like, you know, we, we talk about... What they've done it? with the women's team, for example, you know, they kept on sort of like, they cut the 15s to fund the 7s, then yep. cut the 7s to fund the 15s. Aye, Rob, Rob and Peter paid Paul the whole time and um, they could do better than, you know, I think there's a lesson here in financial prudence, they could get themselves a Mark Dodson and get themselves profitable. I was um, surprised. I mean, that was the big surprise to me that when that vacancy came up for chief executive, that was because at the time it came up, they were in trouble financially. Yeah. And that role is tailor-made for Mark Dodson. And you think, I, I was surprised. Well, I think we can find out why, given, given the, the massive bonus he was sitting waiting to get as to why he maybe didn't apply for the job. But, speculation however you know that 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 job for at that time scotland needed a, a more conciliatory chief executive obviously yeah with the benefit of hindsight it's quite good i'm pleased we've got him uh, given the current climate but that time i was surprised he did he didn't go for it and because i think at that point scottish rugby would have probably happily let him let him go and looked for maybe someone that was a bit more of a less of a firefighter and maybe more of a, a captain to steer the way through gentler waters. I loved how you used the term earlier on, financial emergency, when <laughs> describing what he was good at. You you, you very specifically emphasised financial. It's like, yeah. yeah, he cannot be trusted in any other crisis whatsoever. Give us a tsunami. No, no, this guy, not for <laughs> us. Give, give us a bank account. We're fine. We're solid. <laughs> Sit him in front of the account, keep him away from give, the press. And give him a spreadsheet, no decisions PR. about grassroots, grassroots rugby. <laughs> <laughs> fine. Tell us a number, Doddy. Tell us a number. Yeah, how much can we have? <laughs> that's, that's, that should be his role. Tell us how much we can have. <laughs> and we'll decide what to spend it on. <laughs> Pretty sure that's what Scott Johnson done, didn't he? I think that, well, that's it. Yeah, there we go. Um, so that's... That's the news as, as it was. Um, I'm not going to do the hands in the ruck jingle this week because I've not got it queued up. And uh, to be honest, it, I, I'm... He's, he's, I think, he's... Um, on, on Twitter um, from somebody who said that he was um, going to... Uh, who's, Ian, you look, you look unsure. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, I think John 
also experienced that you, you froze? So I you, froze, you, did you I? Have you no were about, you were about, we were concerned we were going to have to fill there for a second. So there was, there I was could pressure pretend. on. See, I, could just pre- I could just pretend it did see my net connection was unstable. I could just... Very good. That's I very see that work, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, be, was it... Was it was it Dimmock that done the whole was absolutely knee deep in a rant and just about to get to the crescendo of it? That was Alker. Al- wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And he just caught out. You're like, and he kept oh. going though. That's it on his yeah, end. Yeah, he was st- like 20 minutes later. He was still going offline. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's time for hands in the rock. Anyway, um, we've had one off Twitter. I'm going to try and dig that out. Ian, have you got hands in the rock for this week? Um, well, seeing as it's the any other news section and not just that I'm going to have a moan about something, um, I, I was going to highlight incidences such as Ian Wallace's beer shop because there's been a lot of good fundraising by the, I hate this term, um, the rugby family. Um, and even during the pandemic, it's still going. But uh, yeah, so, so good on yous. Uh, so yeah, that's me being chipper. That's, yeah, that's big- the best you get. Big shout out to Bonus Rugby Club, who this weekend were doing, kind of trying to get around the world or something at various attempts, but they were hmm. finishing off in a pedalo. Yeah, I, Bruce Hutchinson right, yeah, yeah. and Ian Wallace were there, and Sean Lunin there as well. Yeah, Sean Lunin turned up, I think, to support them. and um, a few, Alex few Groves others. was up to something as well. He swam the, he swam the English Channel. Channel, yep. Yeah. He raised quite a lot of money as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did very quite well. Grand. Yeah. Good boy. I think I saw it in Gav Harper's. Sorry, there's a moth in here. Um, I saw it in Gav Harper's article. Twenty grand. Yeah. Sure it was. Jacko King Ritchie, uh, et al. Cycling for for the Dodie Bear, aren't they as well? Yeah. So there's a lot, like you said, Ian. There's a lot of good. It's easy to be down and negative at the minute, but there's a lot of good in the world. There's a lot of good people doing good things. Um. On that note, it's Mikey complains, writes and complains <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> Every time there's a clip on Twitter of uh, Trap Promote Rugby returning or doing something, it's always the Scotland team getting beat. And it's the Pro 14 have done it this time with um, Dragons scoring a try against uh, the Glasgow Warriors. That doesn't happen often either. I was so, going to say, I, don't, I can imagine they've had, they've had to dig pretty deep. I mean, it looks, it's, it's the new kit. You didn't lose to the Dragons recently, did you? It's been a while. We well, did have an absolutely honking start to last season where we kind of yeah. lost to everybody, so it might have it's been then. Scots we, snuck it, we snuck it that one because that's when Brandon Thompson had that total meltdown, basically. He, oh, the, was that not just... Oh, I remember oh, coming on the pod sim- after that and yeah. being like, that was literally the worst rugby like performance I've seen. I still think we managed to sneak it because Dragons <sighs> are that bad. <laughs> I'm uh, not but, convinced we did, actually. I, do you know what? I was I watching... I was watching... Um, the under the sticks which is the pro 14 kind of podcast live watch along of the chiefs and how are the chiefs were playing the lost chiefs lost anyway um and the sean holly was on there and he was trying to justify the fact that warren gatland had lost nine games in a row <laughs> um by saying he said basically the standard of competition in new zealand is really high and the chiefs are the worst team in new zealand apparently so it's a bit like he said, it's a bit like if the Dragons just played the teams in Wales because they haven't got a chance to play the poor teams in Australia and South Africa. And I thought, has he seen the Dragons play teams outside of Wales? Because the results aren't much different. There was that um, point where it was, it have the, someone set up an account at one point, which is, have the, have Dragons, the Dragons lost lost. <laughs> lost again? And the answer was always yes. The, the thing with the, um, with the Dragons as well, like suggesting that, so what he's suggesting then, just for my 
I'm going to play stupid here for a second. <laughs> He's suggesting that the Welsh teams are essentially the equivalent of the New Zealand franchises within Super Rugby, who regularly win the tournament and you know are, are competing at the highest level, supplying some of the best rugby players in the world. Um, and he's ignoring the fact that you have, I don't know, there's, there's some Irish team over the water, I can't remember their name, they seem to be, like, they're there or thereabouts with these European Cup things that kind of happen now and then, um, like, like, like Leicester or Leinster or something, ignoring the fact they exist, as well as the other, you know, obviously, Glasgow champions, um, Connacht champions, um, Leinster perennial champions, Munster have won it, Ulster have won it, even it's one of the Italian, head. even one of the Italian teams are better than Dragons now. Uh, yeah, yeah, the one that's got Canada just playing absolute mad, crazy rugby. Uh, Benetton. Benetton. I mean, they used to be Benetton Treviso. Apparently, they've dropped the Treviso now. I think, or is it the they? way around? They've dropped one part of their name. They've dropped. Uh, I always found it really useful to tell you where you, where you where you were getting the dodgy kind of camera work from, like because then you could be like, I do not want to go there on holiday. <laughs> apparently, it's lovely. Apparently it is lovely, yeah, but I've got, you know, you know how you have those kind of irrational hatreds of places just based on like silly rugby things. Like I remember it was Tommy Seymour scoring in the corner and they had like this hedge around the the, the edge of the park. And that was me. I was really upset for for a long, long time. Was it not properly trimmed? Is that what they... Uh, No, no, it was, I mean, it was an immaculate hedge, but still there's, there's a time and a place for a hedge. And like Tommy Seymour (laughs) scoring the corner is not that hedge, you know? (laughs) See, would, what if he dove through the hedge and made it look really dramatic? That would have been really cool. I would have, yeah. like, if he had went and scored like one hand down, boosh, and then he just charged like, you know, um, through the hedge, straight through the hedge, like smash. Like, I think like with a Tommy Seymour shaped hole in it. Yeah. Oh. Like, like while, you know when like Wiley Coyote goes through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes. See, we're all on point. We're all on point here. This is great. Remember that strange Saturday night TV show Hole in the Wall that lasted for about a series. Was that the one they had to do with like, the mad shapes and the wall came yeah, towards? Yeah, them? a slow, yeah. slowly moving wall would come towards a, a sort of sealess celebrity, and then they had to contort themselves into the shape to get through it. I had a strange Xbox Connect game that had done the same thing. It was very, very weird, and obviously, I'm not built to be like in any way, shape, or form flexible. And that sounds a bit yogaish. It's it? or I mean, Pilates. Yeah. Yeah, it was all a bit strange, and I'm I'm not built for that. Or, or oh, tennis, so it seems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Yeah. That's, did that's did you aside from uh, Italian uh, Italian hedges? Did you have a hands in the rock, John? Uh, I was going to have a wee rant. <laughs> going to have another wee rant. Um, so the news um, today, twelve hours ago, regarding the. Any club unable to fulfil a fixture in the English Premiership due to um, Mr. Mr. Cvid nineteen will be given a twenty nil defeat. Now, this is absolutely and utterly bonkers, and the reason for this is they're basically they're going down the route of like so we're going to have testing, we're going to have this, we're going to have that but they're basically victimising people who catch this virus, suggesting that players are, I don't know, the, I mean, the implication is that players should be immune because they're in their, their bubbles and they're, they're, you know, they're training and they're doing all the right things. That kind of takes away from the idea that, that, I don't know, they might actually be 
out in public. They may go for a walk in the park. They may do some other things that they are legitimately allowed to do. Um, I can understand the idea of putting sanctions in place if teams miss fixtures because of, as previously mentioned, idiots going to the pub or idiots you know, deciding to sack it off to Spain without telling anybody and then come back and not bother quarantining. That's fine. If that happens and you miss a fixture, fine. Absolutely. Smash them in the head for that. But to penalise people for getting ill in the midst of all this is completely wrong. And I think English rugby have called it so badly. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think, particularly because I think they're talking about doing this, like not just at top level, this is like club level as well. Yep, yep. yep. Which it's... is utterly ridiculous that you would do, you know, like you said, people have got jobs and careers and, you know, you, you'll have key workers who want to play rugby. And yeah, be family pretty... members who are in contact with other folk. And... Exactly, exactly. And I think it's... And especially the... England's still a hotbed. Oh, I know. Like literally where where, where I am, which is South, South Leeds. I mean, there's parts of Leeds that are on lockdown. I've got, I, if I go five minutes in any direction apart from north towards Leeds, there's extra lockdown measures in place. Do you know what I mean? Not where I am, I'm quite lucky, but you know, I, I couldn't go in, you know, if I went five minutes down the road to a friend's house, I couldn't go in their garden. They could come to me and go in my garden. I wouldn't let them, but you know, it's, so, so you've got all Get these- Get out of my garden, you. <laughs> Strong. You can have all these different, you can have all these different, rules coming in all these different lockdown areas like you said john it's not i don't think that's a i don't think that's a fair ruling i think like you said if if you have an a group within the squad that demonstrably have broken rules gone on holiday gone to a mate's birthday party yep. 50 an illegal rave then Hosted by finn russell yeah <laughs> of course <Amazing. laughs> wouldn't the we all only type of illegal rave um then you know i, I think then that's different but i think for People that are going about their daily lives, you know, this, and people don't, you know, you hear people that are, you know, a lot of people are asymptomatic. Don't even know you've got to you get tested, so. Yeah, the Djokovic clan, they were all asymptomatic yeah. and, you know, we all knew how that went. Yeah. There, there's other words for the Djokovic clan as well, Ian, that we'll not touch on in this podcast. <laughs> it was the 5Gs that did it. <laughs> I always, when yeah. I hear the term 5G, I think of the, the dodgeball and the four Ds of dodgeball. Or, or the five. <laughs> dodge, duck, dive, and dodge. <laughs> yeah, the five Ds of dodge. Duck, dive, dip, dodge, and dive. Dodge, it's dodge, it's dodge twice. Dodge, dodge dip, twice. duck, dive, dodge. I, I don't know. don't know. But anyway, anyway. Uh, 5Gs make me think of that. <laughs> um, my hands in the rock just to finish. Um if anyone knows Fill Your Boots Rugby, who are the, the they're on Twitter and Facebook, and they put out um, they help clubs to find players when they're a player short. So it's a, a really good, valuable service. Um, trying to match you know clubs that might be a, a man down at a weekend with someone that's that's got a, a pair of boots and will happily turn out for them. Um, they do a regular um, round table on on their Facebook page, and they've invited me to take part in that tomorrow about grassroots rugby in Scotland. So um, that's I think half past six tomorrow night. Um, one thing that was uh, kind of got the hands of my ruck this week was they posted a thing on um, Twitter that said, basically, you know, the RFU are proposing a return to play and it's going to be touch. So that's how we're going to go back to rugby. We're going to play, everyone's going to be playing touch. And I replied, I said, well, look, I, th- I think that's a great idea. Actually, I would go back if my local rugby club had a touch team or did touch sessions, I'd, I'd be there in a flash. It's a good way of keeping fit meet people i'd quite happily go and do that i'm 
too long in the tooth and too far away from playing competitive rugby to have someone come and hit me, right? That would break me in two. I kind of take contact. And I was part of the reason I gave up rugby was I didn't like taking contact either. Like playing the game, didn't like taking contact. <laughs> no, it's a big issue. Um, but so as I said, that comes in. I'm, I'm there in a flash. I think it's a good way of getting a lot of people my age in the late 30s, early 40s, who've maybe been away from the game for a while, back in the game and back in the clubhouses. There was somebody who, who remained nameless because I don't give them the oxygen who got back and said, I've been playing the game for 18 years. If they do that, that's the game for me. I'm giving up. What do you I do did. with that? Bye. Do you know, if, if really, if, if contact is that important to you, go and do UFC. If contact is more important to you than the, you know, being, being with your mates, being down a club and seeing people you know and getting to know people and having that community, then if, you know, going and smashing a guy is more important to, all, to you than all of that, then... You go and play rugby league. That's what, that's what <laughs> <you do. laughs> this guy has nailed it. <laughs> well, you know, go and go and do boxing. Go and do a one. Go, if that's if that's what you're craving, if you're craving the you know the physical touch of another man, there are places that cater for that. I mean, surely the whole point in rugby is you find the space and you, you score a try. Exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. You, you might you might have noticed Ian that some people are let's say not built for finding space mm-hmm. some people uh, particularly in the northern hemisphere have have built a game around not finding the space well uh, what did you see squidge's uh, bt thing <laughs> yes yeah. about well exeter for example they're not ones for really finding space and then no um yes he was no. talking about yes. northampton northampton attack space you know that's yeah. So if you're going to play touch, look at Northampton. Not Sail rely, rely entirely entirely on Byron McGuigan for space, and some, <laughs> somehow that's worked for them. Why? How? I've no idea. My my favourite thing about Byron McGuigan is that there's still a hardcore group on a couple of Glasgow Warriors forums <laughs> that have an unbelievable hatred of Byron McGuigan and every time his name gets mentioned it is it's like you've said Voldemort it's just like Why? unbelievable I, did he, I don't recall him doing anything untoward no no people just thought he was a bit rubbish at Glasgow that's that's the thing people people were of the opinion he was just about mince well, I think he left he left under a cloud didn't he I think that's the I didn't think it was much of a cloud. It was just more he wasn't getting any game time because we had sort of prime DTH, Tommy Seymour, um, you know Bennett and Dunbar. I think he, he played a couple of times at outside centre, but uh, I don't think he left under a cloud. And he's, I think he's a decent player. You know, he's he's no worse than say Ratu Tigive, for example. That's exactly the name I was going to mention. Yep. Yeah. Is he is he any worse than him? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, on that note, we'll bring it to a close for this week. We're going to go off now and we're going to record our, our special patron-only episode. So if you want to listen to that, you're going to have to sign up for our patrons. So visit scottishrugbyblog.co.uk and you can sign up for that. Um, this episode will be available on, on podcasts tomorrow as well, um, as well as the, the patron-only one. Um, quick update, point of, point of fact. I think we've had a fact check. Kirk James has got in touch on Facebook to say that Dale Winton was the host for Hole in the Wall. 
Um, <laughs> God, bring on the wall! Uh, was it not him? I thought that uh, Anton Dubeck did it, actually. This... I think he did it after Dale Winter. I think Dale Winter started it. two seasons? Oh, my God, it lasted more than... Oh, it lasted for a while. Uh, Harry Hill used to cover it on TV, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, I, love, I love Harry Hill's TV, but... Dale Winton and Anton Dubeck, there is... Like, I mean, that's a second-row partnership, right? That's, right there. Can that, you imagine that? Like, that would have been class, class stuff. Longest yeah. reigning WWE tag team champions of all time. <laughs> What's happened there? Kirk James has also messaged to say that he used to be Johnny Gray's janitor too, and that feels like that needs for some unpicking. So, so that, j- Kirk, I, do I, drop bro, us if you were if you were Johnny Gray's janitor, please get in touch and tell us what I, that entailed. I am friends with Kirk. I I uh, I regularly see Kirk, and Kirk is a massive uh, Johnny Gray fan and talks regularly about the Gray Boys. So, was he um, a janitor for, he, for Johnny he Gray? Is also he is a he is a janitor. So I thought you were going to say I know Kirk, and he's a massive liar. So <laughs> <laughs> don't believe a word he says. Don't believe any no. of his mints. No. So hopefully yeah. we'll get we'll, we'll try and get an update on um, what kind of janitoring uh, Kirk did for um, for Johnny Gray. I, I think that that that's like a where's Dougie Donnelly right there. That that definitely is. That definitely is. is School based janitoring. What's... We'll find I'm... out. There we go. Maybe we'll make it a patron, patron patron only. <laughs> And an exclusive interview with Johnny Gray's janitor. There you go. Kirk, Kirk's been asking to come on, so there you go. That's that's his opportunity. <laughs> um, well, that's it from this week uh, for us for the regular podcast. Uh, so for the moment, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from John and Ian. Night, folks. Ciao.